Jamie Wall is well, he's one of our leading sports journalists in New Zealand. We t- typically talk to Jamie a lot of the time about rugby, but he's not a one-trick pony. Absolutely not. He is the Secretariat of New Zealand Sports Media, and uh, I believe Jamie is a tennis reporter this week. Would that be correct, Jamie, for Radio New Zealand? <laughs> Morning, Louie. Thank you for that lovely introduction. Um, Happy New Year. Yeah, yeah, I am. I've been down at Stanley Street. Uh, this is my sixth ASB Classic that I've I've covered, um, and yeah, uh, it's really nice to be doing something different, uh, just at least for a, for a, for a fortnight anyway. So you, you're kind of like a um, you're like a seasonal tennis reporter. You just you swan in for the the ASB Classic, and uh... yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, I haven't found anyone that's going to shoot me over to the Aussie Open or or over to Wimbledon or anything like that yet. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to say yet because uh, it's, it's definitely. The plans I really do enjoy. I wouldn't say I'm any sort of like massive tennis uh, expert or nerd or anything like that, but I know what I like. And um, the match I watched last night was was one of them, and that's why we keep going back and keep staying there late into the night um, to watch these watch these matches because um, it is the only tennis, professional tennis that we get here in, in New Zealand. So you might as well make the most of it. Uh, and um, this this tournament so far has been been really good. It's uh, definitely making up for the shortcomings of last year due to the weather and and having to play games indoors and it just felt like a bit of a damp squib but uh this year it's it's been, it's been awesome so yeah loving it so far now you heard our chat with um ben rothenberg yesterday and i know you were listening and i wonder since you've been there for six years now and you've been there this this tournament it's a bit different with the changes to the uh, i guess the way that the wta and the atp are, are running their events as far as the rankings 250s are kind of getting squeezed as to who they can have available to them what did you make of that and the idea of sports becoming more premium the the formula one model who you know the irony in that is formula one are still going for more they're doing these sprint races they're absolutely making their drivers insane because they're trying to get more 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 where other sports are looking at formula one and saying hey the premium model is what we want we want to condense it and have our stars in the one place more often um the the nba's in season tournament trying to make their regular season more uh, relatable and relevant. Uh, the NFL is long being looked at because it's a season that's condensed, but even they have tacked games onto their regular season. So the disease of more is there in sport, whereas tennis, they want to go premium. How did that, how did that all wash with you? Yeah, it was a fascinating chat. I really, I really enjoyed it because uh, I learned, learned an awful lot. Um, I, I, to be fair, this is a narrative that has come up kind of every year like it's not it's not really new like the the future of the asb classic is always a talking point every year because there's always something that's come up um you know there was the atp 1000 series that was going to threaten the 250s and then there's the uh uh the nation's cup um which is happening in in australia right now which was apparently going to take all the, the big names away and now it's saudi money which is just like this overarching thing across all sports uh, that's apparently going to take um, all the players away. Well, it didn't take; it hasn't taken them away. Um, it didn't take them away uh, this year because we've got a very, uh, very good field um, coming up, especially in the men's. And um, I, I just kind of think it's just one of those ones where it's like, oh gosh, we kind of need something to talk about. In saying that, though, in saying that, looking what's happened to boxing uh, in such a short space of time, in which now it feels like. Every heavyweight title fight is going to be in 
Uh, Riyadh, um, for the for the for the enjoyment of some very very mega wealthy um, <clears throat> Arab sheiks over there, it's it, it's not out of the question that this all could just get sort of whipped out um, from under under the feet of of the organisers of this tournament. Um, it just kind of comes down to how many opportunities there are leading into the Australian Open because that's what these things are, you know, with all due respect. And the ASP Classic knows this full well, is that, yes, it's a title. Yes, it, it involves um, picking up some really important um, ranking points, uh, but it is primarily there so these these athletes can get a tune-up going. And, and that was what, why I think Emma Raducanu leaves... Auckland think, uh, you know, probably obviously disappointed with, with the loss, but feeling probably pretty good that she's like, damn, I just went back-to-back three-set matches, which I think the first time she's actually done that uh, since the she won the US Open, and it's the first notable, you know, um, first time uh, she's played top-ranked player, and, and, and you know, she's, she's walking out of here going like, damn, my career's like back on track. Um, Svitolina's feeling the same, you know, she's, she's completely rebuilding, uh, not completely rebuilding, but, you know, just marching on after a successful return from from having a baby and everything, um, but the, their eyes are on are on bigger prizes, you know. So as long as there's always the grand slams exist, uh, there's always going to have to be places where these guys can go and 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 be assured of playing a long run of matches. Uh, you know, rather than going to uh, one big tournament where you've got all the big names and they might only be on court for an hour. So there's that to consider as well. But, I mean, you know, money talks. Uh, you know that as well as I do. And um, it, it's just it's one of those situations where it's just going to be fascinating to see kind of what, what plays out. But like I said before, we do talk about this sort of stuff every year just as much as we talk about the rain and building a roof on Stanley yeah. Street. Yeah, no, I get that. I, it is different though because you, you're right. Boxing that happened quickly. Uh, the the golf um, scene showed how quickly the stuff can move. And I've just found a story, literally, as you've been talking from today in the Sports Business Journal, um, and they've kind of they're cited. I want to get this right. You, Stacy Zwicker of. Um, SBS News and they the ATP tour has said previously that positive talks are taking place with Saudi and she's essentially reporting that the it would be a, a Masters 1000 tournament as soon as January 2025 worth almost half a billion dollars and I guess what the tours need to be careful with here and and because she goes on to talk about the potential of another league like another tour mm-hmm. that the Saudis want to float so that what tennis needs to be careful is that if they don't bake Saudi Arabia in and the public investment fund into their current schedule, they run the risk of seeing what happened in golf and the sport being torn into to parts, which just becomes really messy. So I think that that's what validates this threat more than previous years. Yep, yep. No, I completely agree with you uh, on that one. And I think that it's probably that that's what the conversations are right now with whoever's got the money and and the ATP and the WTA is like you can either take it or leave it, but we're going to go. We're going to get this anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I I I feel like it, it is an interesting one though because you know golf has its majors and everything, um, but I feel like tennis in the eyes of just the broad, not just the sporting public but the the public in general, you, if it's not Wimbledon. 
it's not, re- and that's not the high, that's not being seen as the highest uh, point that the sport can, um, you know, that's where you can go as a player. It's really not going to be kind of worth it, and it, it's going to be a very hard sell to get that across. And I know that it doesn't matter if someone's just writing you a blank check or, or whatever, but I, I feel like golf always kind of had that air of like, oh well, you know, if you just sort of throw enough money at these at these people, things will change. I don't think it's that way in tennis. I, maybe I'm mm. being naive. Maybe I'm being a little hopeful. But I just feel that the traditions and and um, you know prestige that's that's around the Grand Slams is has a lot more of a pulling power. Well, what you have is that the, the key difference is a lot of the angst around golf was that we're talking about the PGA Tour, the Professional Golf Association, but this is America, right? And there was a long, mm. there's a long-standing thing that they were cutting the rest of the world out. And what Liv has done is they've played on, you know, look at that event in South Australia. They've played on the Cam Smith, the John Rums. They've pulled on the heartstring of these guys. They've got the English boys. They've got the Spanish lads. So they've, mm. and, and what tennis has is they've got a truly global sport where they go to literally different continents. So it would be harder to – but that's, again, this is why I think it's like a really genuine scenario that they will work with Saudi more than golf was going to. They're not going to be combative. No sport will ever make that mistake again because it it has ruined the PGA Tour's finances and it's created a headache that no sport will be willing to go to. So it's a watch the space one. Um, but on the tournament as a whole, like last night must have been such a thrill to be there. That was just as high-class tennis you're going to get, really, at this time of the year, no matter what the tournament and where it was. I mean, that, the, the way Raducanu was moving to start and then watching Svitolina really start to amp herself up and, and work into the game like a good stayer, it was just, it was class, wasn't it? Yeah, it absolutely was. And I think that, like most great tennis matches, has this story arc going into it, which is, it was the story of Raducanu really, like all due respect to Svitolina, who's, who's a fantastic player and, and showed it last night. But there was this buzz around the crowd that like, this is her moment, Emma Raducanu's moment to come out and kind of prove that she, that wasn't a, a fluke, you know, like she's mm. going to get her career back on track and we want Auckland to be the place that this, this happens. You know, there's, there's also this kind of thing that she left last year after injuring herself and she wasn't very happy and New Zealanders being New Zealanders, we, we desperately want her to like New Zealand. So, you know, we <laughs> wanted to have a good time and, and everything like that. Um, it was a beautiful evening and down at the street, the, it was a packed house. Uh, everyone was having a great time out the back in the hospitality areas and then filed in to watch what was a, a great game of tennis. And it just, and Raducanu just came out firing, broke uh, broke um, Spitalina twice uh, in the in the first three games, and then shot out to a five-one lead. Spitalina came roaring back, forced a tiebreaker, and then you know it was just all on. Then the whole thing, same thing happened in the second set, but in reverse. Uh, and then, unfortunately, it just didn't sort of really get the, the dramatic ending that it deserved, you know. But uh, because I think Raducanu just kind of ran out of gas, um, mm-hmm. and Spitalina just put her foot on her on the, on the gas pedal and, and roared away with it. But I think, like I said, Raducanu leaves pretty happy with what she's managed to accomplish going into the the Aussie Open. Um, first off, she managed to get through it without breaking anything which is which is great um but yeah to go to go to do those to have those games back to back like good solid performances and also get her out get herself out of a few scrapes you know tie breaks 
Um, her, her first round match went to um, went to a tiebreak to win as well, which she which she overcame. And she talked about um, how happy she was with her mental fortitude and that that hasn't left her and that the hunger is still there uh, inside her. And you got to remember, she's only what 21. Um, she's got a long career ahead of her if she can remain injury free. Hopefully, she's got all of her injuries that she's going to major injuries that she's going to sustain in her career out of the way uh, early and can go on and forge a big career. And uh, you know, putting aside what we've all just what we've just been talking about about the future of the tournament, uh, hopefully the ASB Classic continues being a, uh, a tournament that she keeps coming back to because she she brings the crowds in. Yeah, she does, and and that's what the, the ASB Classic has always had and it always will. I mean, for whatever reason, players love being there. You know, they really well. Actually, I know why. We've we've been there. We, we know why they do it really well. And um, yeah, the crowds. You're so right. You absolutely nail a Kiwi sporting fan there. Like we're just <laughs> so desperate to be liked by, like you know, I like go through the um the press conference this morning. Like, did they say anything about the crowds? Like, I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> oh, to be, like, be fair, to be fair I will say, I will say one thing about uh, constantly being asked about the crowds and the experiences that uh, every player so far, and including Coco Golf as well, the number one seed, uh, says that they like coming to Auckland because there, there actually is a crowd. A lot of the times they go to tournaments around the world, you know, that aren't Grand Slams, and they're playing in front of nobody. Um, mm. And so they, for them to come out and play in an afternoon session in front of a big crowd is quite a novelty for them, and they really enjoy it. Uh, so you know, usually they're only playing in front of crowds that big if they if they make like a, a semi final or a final. Well, yeah, like that they might get you know a, a stack of a hundred million quid to go and play in Saudi Arabia, but they're not going to have a yeah, crowd there. Yeah, true. That's, <laughs> they'll probably be playing in. Although this is the season to be playing over there. That's the other thing because of the heat. So I mean, it's very very interesting. Hey, um, Jamie, look, I've got two more things for you. I'll finish with the Crusaders classic. But how about this? The the two day Test match in um, South Africa. What a strange series. India gets poleaxed in the first Test. By an innings, then they come back. Um, somehow, somehow South Africa lose this test. Meanwhile, Aiden Markram scores a hundred. Uh, nobody knows what to make of it. No one knows whether to laugh or whether to cry. Whether it's karma or whether it's disaster. Uh, they're going to come here. I messaged one of our South African correspondents overnight and said, "Oh, okay, sweet. Now we're going to. You've just been hammered by India. Now you're going to send your second team to us." He said, "Mate, we're not sending our second team. We're sending our fourth stringers to New Zealand." Uh, this whole thing is just a bit of a mess, and now the Australians are taking it on themselves to save Test cricket and saying they need a revenue share. So it's almost like this disaster needed to happen for everybody to be able to look each other in the light of day. Yeah, it really kind of couldn't have happened at a better time, you know, like uh, you know how they say, like uh, every crisis is an opportunity. Um, yeah. I think yeah. the and, and I think that the positives that are coming come out of this, because I think that, that narrative for Australian cricket, um, whether like what their motivation is behind this, whether they are actually doing it because they simply love Test cricket or just because they don't want to lose their very lucrative home summer revenues that they're getting, um, which is probably more likely, uh, is is what's driving them. But the the I think the most the most immediate feeling I had around that watching that or not watching but just sort of following along with that India South Africa game is. It's always so funny when something happens in international sport that the your average weekend hack can completely relate to. Like I've played in games like like it's just funny to see two international cricket teams rack up a score that like my crap team puts would put up on, on the weekend. You know the the circumstances like where the game's over and like 
a day and a half and you lose six wickets for no runs. Like I've been there, I've done that. I know how these guys feel. So it's funny. It, it's funny for them to know how I felt swinging a bat and bowling ball on the weekend. Like that, I, I really enjoy that. Yeah, the, the the it's always good when you see the professionals brought back to what you can like consider comparable. Um, I reckon you would have taken a wicket on day one with the way that pitch was acting, mate. Uh, like lastly, Jamie, it's um, January, so Super Rugby season's here. Um, <laughs> Crus- Crusaders, the 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 new. Do we do we? Is it the same dynasty? Is it like a, another dynasty incoming, or do you actually think that they probably have had their time now and? Um, they might actually lose this season. What's your just? What's your like? You don't have to go too in, d- in depth on this, but just do you think the Crusaders will win another Super Rugby title? Is my question. Uh, I can see them doing it. Um, I, you know, uh, we've we've kind of had this conversation for the last sort of couple of years about like, oh, you know, the when the Blues got really stacked, and then to be fair, the Blues are still stacked and. Then the Chiefs get really stacked, and you're like, "Oh, well, you know." And then, and then they both host games, at finals at home, and you're like, "Well, this is the year the Crusaders." Are. And then the Crusaders just go on and win. So I'm not going to bet against them. I'm not. I've learned my. I've learned from history. I, I know that you know. Obviously, stuff has has changed there. They've lost obviously the coach and a host of players, but so is every other team. Apart from the the only team that's actually sort of looking kind of what they looked like last year is the Blues and even they've got a new coach so I think the reset button's been hit on pretty much everybody uh, I think the Hurricanes look kind of stable but again they've got a new they've got a new coach as well um, so I, it's more of a case of like okay well if the Crusaders aren't going to win who is and I don't know <laughs> if I can answer that question uh, so I would I would just go to the default option which is the Crusaders so you know, as much as it pains me to say, so I mean, I I've, I'm no fan of theirs, uh, but I have to respect their their run of success, and that's that's what's making my my mind up on what's going to happen this year in Super Rugby. Now you're a rational and beautiful man. Uh, appreciate that, Jamie. Very good, mate. Go back to the. You probably need some more kit before you get back to the tennis tonight. Could be another late one. You got some ripping games to cover. Nice to chat, man. Yeah, thanks, Lou. You're a beautiful man too, and um, yeah, enjoy the tennis. I know I will be. Yeah, nice stuff. I will be from the couch, loving the ASB Classic, loving Jamie Wall covering the ASB Classic. He's uh, his foray into tennis journalism for the season. Very good stuff. After this, we're going to talk cricket. We're going to talk cricket with Dandaroo Ferns.